With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to episode 98 of the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I'm joined by Brian Joyner and Matt Collins to discuss the World Series-bound Boston Red Sox. The Sox have clinched the World Series berth by defeating the Astros 4-1. to Guys, what were your uh, first reactions from this incredible series? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I think that I can speak for pretty much everyone who did not see this coming, even if it was obviously possible the Red Sox to win in five, but it just seemed so unlikely. And frankly, all the games were close. Um, well, until they weren't, but, um, I'm just blown away. I'm blown away that they did it like this. Yeah, it's uh, – it's – I still don't really understand how it happened. They won in five games, and the one game they lost was the Chris Sale start. I mean, it's just – it's unbelievable. And until the last game, Craig Kimbrell could not do anything. He was perfect. That's what J.D. Martinez said. J.D. Marcina said he got every out. <laughs> That's one way to describe what he did, I suppose. <laughs> I, I think one of the, the surprising things about it is that really, I mean, Devers hit, but like not and, – and, and obviously JBJ had some ridiculous clutch hits. Um, but like, but he had three many... hits. He had he three had hits, hits and they were total. almost insanely clutch. Right. That's that's the thing. It's just there weren't that many guys actually hitting in this series for them to win it in in five games. You know, when you look down at the lineup, you're looking at averages for these guys during the series, and even OBP and slugging, they look ugly. You know, for the most part. But then there's the Astros, and they didn't hit either, outside of fucking. Alex Bregman, who can almost do no wrong, except for on social media. Um, well, Bregman only slugged 200 in the series. He wasn't really heard from that they much. Give him he anything. wasn't slugged in the series. He slugged 200, but he was on base all the time. Yeah, he had a 458 on base percentage. The one guy that scared the shit out of me in this series, though, was George Springer. I mean, what do you yeah. have to do to get that guy out? He slashed 381, 458, 667 in the series. 
Yeah, he's. He's very. I good. love guys who. Um. Have a reputation for like coming through in the playoffs and then just whatever we think of being able to actually predict that when they keep doing it. Except for when it's against your team, but then when you beat them in five, fine. Correa started turning it on at the end, too. I don't know. I was kind of scared of the top half of their lineup. Marwin Gonzalez and then the big four, too. They all kind of scared me, even if they weren't doing anything. Well, they were terrifying. They're terrifying. And I feel like that's the almost the easiest they're going to take it on you in a span of that many games um, absent, like just everyone going uh, ice cold. I was so, a little scared of Springer out of everybody. And then second, Altuve. Even with that bum knee, he put some really scary swings on some balls. I think I was still scared, most scared of Pregman. Really? It just felt like he was going to do something every time. Obviously, he didn't have those hits I was expecting, but it was still, I mean, I was filled with dread every time he was at the plate. So I think we got to start uh, talking about the biggest story, and that's the clinching game with David Price on the mound versus Justin Verlander. Uh, Price goes six innings pitch, three hits, no walks, which is just incredible, nine strikeouts, and uh, he was pretty much dealing and throwing the hardest that I've seen him throw since before he was a Red Sox. I mean, that's the best I've, I can remember seeing Price. So Jake, why don't you tell us how you feel? Because you have <laughs> you have the the strongest David Price feeling. So you need to you need to reckon with it in a good way, but go ahead. I'm I'm pumped. I mean, I guess like this is what I've wanted him to be, and he finally did it, and he did it on the biggest stage on short rest, and he dominated arguably the best lineup in the game. Uh, outside of the Red Sox lineup, and uh, I gotta say, like he shut everybody up. Um, he definitely shut me up. I mean, I'm gonna be totally fine with him going in the World Series once or twice, and expecting him to do big things. And I don't know. I just uh, I think that his this was the breakthrough, and I think that a lot of it was mental. And I think Matt alluded to that a bunch, and I kind of thought that too. Um, because we saw that he can succeed with the stuff that he has now if he uses it correctly. But it just seemed like there was this mental hurdle for him. And um, I wonder if part of his success in this start was sort of not having to look forward to the start. Like he kind of volunteered himself for availability for that start, started on short rest, and was playing in a game that, you know, if they lost the game, they weren't going home. They had... You know, a couple more games to play at Fenway if they did that. Um, and I wonder if that kind of helped him. But now I kind of feel like since he's broken through, this is – I mean, I'm not expecting him to be quite this good, but I'm expecting him to be the David Price that we know that he can be. You know, I, I think that part of it um, and gets to Kimbrell pitching yesterday also um, after the two-inning – near disaster like the only reason we're so happy today is Andrew Benintendi took like 36 inch step in before Bregman hit that ball um but I think 
what they talked about with Kimball is that he just needs work. And in the playoffs, um, we saw it a long time ago with Derek Lowe, obviously. And we saw it with um, Price right now. It's not that you can't go on short rest. Um, and in fact, I think that for individual starts on short rest, um, given that you're going to throw that day anyway most of the time, uh, you can put together a good start. It's just you can't keep doing that. That's the problem. And that you see, and I think, Jake, what you're alluding to here, is that when people um, who, if the routine is leading to sort of bad habits, when you break it in this way, they have the ability to um, change it up and the simple fact of being out of their routine sort of locks them into place. And I think that's what happened. I mean, that seemed to me, I've seen it before, obviously, and that seemed to be what happened with Price yesterday and Kimbrell for that matter. Yeah, and, and one other note about Kimbrell too, he's had way better stats throughout this season and throughout his career when pitching on back-to-back days rather than pitching with uh, a day off in between. For whatever reason, he seems to be a lot sharper with that uh, setup. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's, I mean, it's tough. It's easy to say that you need to get him his work, but there's just not as much work, obviously, to go around in the playoffs. So it's kind of hard to reconcile with that. And it's definitely true. Um, But really, he just has to get over that. I don't know what it is. if it's a physical thing or what, but he needs to figure out if it's just on his throw days, he needs to go harder or what it is. But he, cause I mean, obviously there's a long break before game one of the world series and he needs to be ready for that. Whatever, whatever it takes for that. I mean, just throw a bunch of simulated innings the day before or something like that. I don't know. Hey, obviously, I, they've tried I, have, that. I have something I'd like to talk about. And this sort of relates to that. Um, insofar as about the bullpen Um, and we'll play to that because he's not getting as much work because obviously just because of the nature of the schedule but because the Sox have a lot of arms now that the starters have become available I just want to reflect that during the year we were very worried about not having enough arms right now we seem to be okay, except for Kimbrough. Um, so I think that's just my way of saying that Dombrowski was maybe a little bit more forward-looking than he got the credit for at the time. Sort of. Um, I think this has obviously worked. I don't know that it's always a good strategy to have to rely on your rotation to also fill the bullpen innings like it's great if you have starters that you can throw into the bullpen but having guys go back and forth um you have to really know that they can do it that is they're making it look pretty easy it is not easy what they're doing yeah i totally agree with you matt i uh i i, I agree with both of you actually um i think that dave dombrowski probably knew 
that these guys had the willingness and sort of the mentality to do so. And I think that him and Cora probably talked about that. But I think that there was almost no way to predict that it would go as well as it has. Um, I, we kind of thought that Eovaldi's stuff would play up when he was in relief, and certainly it did against Bregman, 102, um, against him. Did uh, you see Pricey on at Bregman after that? Yeah, I post, post that. that. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. One of the best Fantastic. moments of the series. Um, but it, Porcello is a guy that you know we weren't sure what to expect, and even even his stuff played up in relief and. He made a couple of really clutch appearances, and one of the things that Cora has talked about when he's talked about all these guys stepping up the way that they have is just that the willingness for these guys to take on that sort of Chris Sale mentality of do whatever it takes, pitch until my arm falls off, and it's been the identity of this this team, and I think it's almost unique. And uh, to, to Brian's point, like Dave probably knew that, but this wouldn't work for any team. It's just that this group, I think, is kind of special in that way. And yeah, I think, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I think we're talking a lot about the starters. I mean, Brazier, Barnes, and Kelly, I think that's the story of the playoffs so far. Yeah, I mean, but... That was the major concern, and those but guys you're have you. been nails. But you're you. I, those you guys have been incredible. Matt Barnes always is the number one story for you. So let's just... <laughs> I, I, outside I, of him. I think out of those three guys, it's Kelly still for me that is just like, holy shit, Kelly. The amount of quality innings and the times that he's come into games and the stuff that he's had, it's it's way different than I expected. You know, no, was, I, was my I agree with man. Matt that it's like a th- it's the three headed. Yeah, I don't think attack. you can really separate any of them. I guess I guess the other guys, what I'm saying is like I expected a high level of performance from Brazier and Barnes. But I didn't know that we would get a sustained good performance from Kelly. I think I I phrased Fair it enough. wrong. You know what I'm saying? I just he's, think he's about how wild that is with Brazier. Like yeah. the beginning of the year. I mean the beginning of the playoffs. His first <laughs> outing in the ALDS was terrifying. Yeah, but he had been you know he had shown during the year that he was sure. good as hell. Like, but the beginning of the like it's it's wild. It's wild. But I, I mean, just on a general level, um, and why I think it is very important to remember this is like three inches from being a totally different discussion. Um, but uh, just everything went so. I mean, it wasn't smooth, but uh, they ended up on the right side of almost everything. Um, and it just, I, I picked the Astros in five because I thought there was way more likely the Astros did to Boston what Boston ended up doing to them. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that, Brian. Every every sort of 50-50 type of situation seemed to go the Red Sox way in this series. And I want to talk about the outfield for the Red Sox because a lot's been made recently. And Jeff Sullivan just wrote an article about this at Fangraphs about how ridiculously talented this outfield is. And we've talked about that a lot throughout the year. But every single member of the outfield stepped up in a a massive way in this series. Bets with the controversial call on the Altuve uh, to be home run that, you know, didn't end up being called as such. And then he makes almost the identical catch yesterday. I mean, how poetic was that? I thought the, the throw to get Kemp in that game four 
was, I mean, if you discount like the importance of the play, that was at least as impressive as Ben Attendee's catch, if not more so. I mean, that, that throw was, was bananas. This Hall yeah. of Famer baseball play. That was insane. It was, it, it, it shouldn't happen. Um, it was incredible. I mean, people are criticizing Kemp for going for two there. And it's like, it, Kemp is really fast. Yeah, he's it's super a, athletic. Going for a second was a no-brainer. I mean, that was just an incredible. That's throw. not even 99 out of 100. That's like 199 out of 200. Yeah, I mean, it's I I was completely floored by that play. Yeah, that that was amazing. And the what did you guys think about the bets uh, closing of the glove in that whole situation? Did you guys feel that that should have been called a home run? Yes. Brian, same thing. Um, so I um, went to bed uh, at 7.30 p.m. on the night of Game 4 and slept all the way through to 6.30 um, because Game 3 had um, – I had been up late and just a lot of stuff been going on. And I – because they won Game 3 – I was like, all right, this is great. I'll save up for game five, which is great. Um, so I didn't see it. Um, so in retrospect, um, it seems that once Joe West called it not a home run, it was going to stay. And at the same time, much as Joe West sucks ass, if you have the fans right next to the wall – and this is a total judgment call of where all this stuff happened. I don't care if you have cameras, you're going to fuck it up. So, well, they, they had one view that was perfect, but the security guard is standing right in front of the camera. Right. So and we'll for, never know, like, for sure. No, I mean, I think we know for pretty much for sure, but it's just this, my, my point is it's like a stupid, stand, a stupid situation to put yourself in that you have to make this call. If, um, if, I was more blown away that that exact because I had like gone upstairs like my son was upset so I had to like calm him down and I came back down and they were showing a replay of Betts catching it in the Latin game five and I'm watching it and I'm like wait a minute nobody touched him they backed up like <laughs> Same that just happened <laughs> yeah that was amazing I I think I agree with Matt that it was probably a home run um, if there's anyone else in the outfield. But I also believe 100%, and especially Game 5 solidified this, that if the fan doesn't interfere, Betts makes that catch. And I have zero doubts yeah. about it. I bet my life on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote that after the game, that I was – obviously I'm coming from an incredibly biased point of view. But just like cosmically, it felt justified, even though I thought it was the wrong call because I think he would have caught that too. But that doesn't really make interference. Um, I don't know. I just I hate these calls because everybody is so sure of their position and people are taking like these weird screenshots at like impossible like angles where you can't really tell and they're like passing off as definitive proof and it, it drives me insane. It was the same thing with the Kemp catch the night before. Like bouncing off the wall or not? Yeah, it's just. I mean, these uh, drives me nuts. Was Benintendi's catch to end Game Four the play of the series for you guys? Oh, 
That, I mean, not hands down. That it's game the play was, of the season for any team. Yeah, uh, that was. I mean, it's you can't top that. Like that was that whole game. That was the best Red Sox game since 2004 ALCS, at least. Game Wait five. a minute. Game, game five of the ALCS. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I think game five of the series. Oh, this is great. So what you're saying is, I should just go to sleep early every game during the world. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Happy to do it. <laughs> People are complaining about the pace of that game, and I just I can't understand that. Oh, I understand it. It's just I understand the time. It went super late, and I wish it, it had started, started earlier. Started super yeah, late. That's um, a different discussion than like the pace, though. Like watching the game. I was never like thinking about how slow things are moving. I mean, that game was just insane. I woke up at eleven thirty and it was top seven, and I'm like, nope, my bad. <laughs> and it ended at one fifteen, I think, something like that. Yeah. 30. Oh god. Yeah, that was a super long game, but also a super great game. Uh, it it was like it was eighty nine percent great in like. 11% like I'm dying because I've been staying up for all these games and like, oh. I just need to go to sleep. You know, I was like nodding off, but then kept getting woken up by excellent baseball. It was. Uh, but Jake, it, was it wasn't awesome. just the Mookie Betts catch that happened again. The, the Tony Camp catch, catch happened. Yeah. yeah identically did. again. Like this crazy stuff happened. And this is. um, There was a series once, or there was a. U.S. Open final or semifinal where Sampras Agassi it didn't go um, five sets it went four sets but each one went to a tiebreaker and they just like beat the shit out of each other that's what the series reminded me of it didn't go the distance or close to it but it's not like they didn't just beat the hell out of each other I, I totally agree with you. It was it was an amazing series in so many different ways. I want to talk about Devers here, though, for a second. Devers uh, had a really good offensive series, 385, 467, 615, with some big hits. Um, I noticed personally, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, but when Devers hit well in the games that he played in, it seemed like he played defense more confidently as well. And I feel like going forward, to the World Series that I'd like to see Devers in there for the majority of the time just because of how much length he gives the offense and, and sort of what a dangerous equation he is over there. And I'm not sure he's any worse defensively than Nunez. I'd play him every day. Um, I think it's going to happen after that. I think he's going to jump the – maybe not every day, but I think he will be the um, default starter. Um from who they, you know, um, game plan off of. And I think that's fair. I mean, Nunez, Nunez made a couple key plays in the series, especially I think it was game two. Uh, was was that the game two play that Nunez made? I'm trying to think. It was one. I don't even know what play you're talking about. Uh, Nunez made a play. No, you know what? I'm like I'm I'm mixing things with the ALDS. Yeah, the last play of the ALDS. Yeah, the, the last play of the ALDS is. He did I'm have a few at. plays in the series, but um, he also had some bad misplays too. Yeah, I wonder if he's he's not fully healthy. 
right now. He's I mean, he's definitely not. Yeah. He hurt his ankle. He, I mean, he got taken out of game three, I think. He got taken out of one of the games. Hmm. And I don't think he played again after that. Yeah, I, I think Devers is just definitely clearly the more healthy guy, clearly the better offensive option at this point. I think it makes a lot of sense to uh, play him going forward. Uh, before we move on to talk about some other stuff, though, I want to mention JBJ because we haven't really gushed over JBJ yet. We talked about the other two outfielders. But how unexpected is this that JBJ, after the offensive you know, career that he's had, steps up in this way, is able to get to those pitches? I think Ozuna's comment was really telling uh, on the Grand Slam where he says, I throw that pitch to JBJ every time and I would do it again because JBJ never gets to that pitch. And he's clearly changed something about himself that makes him a more dangerous hitter at this point. Well, I mean, he always had power. That's, that's um, maybe, I mean, he went three for 15, um, but he just blasted it when he did hit it. Uh, yeah, I think he's just, he was just in his zone. And he was just in one of those zones where if he was making contact, it was going to go a long way. Um, it was just, I mean, that's what his hot streaks are. And it was just at the perfect time. And, um, if I could have picked anybody to have that kind of series, it would have been him. I'm just, I'm so happy for him. He's just like, he's been, he gets so much shit, like so much undeserved shit. And it's, uh, it just makes me so happy. Is this his JD Mart, JD uh, Drew moment? Um, No, David Price had his JD Drew moment. David Price had his John Lackey moment. Yeah. I, I think this might be his JD Drew moment. I don't know what that means. Like he no, was always David underappreciated. Price is, David Price is bigger than John Lackey. Well, the, no, it so was the, just the similarities between their two starts, like Lackey's in 2013 and Price's this year was are just so. I mean, they both went up against Verlander, I and mean, that's how similar they were. It's just yeah, it's like but John Lackey Price. can't. I mean, no, I agree. I mean, John Lackey, Lackey can't. Yeah, hold no, he's not David Price. I get what you're saying, but neither. I don't think I love JD Drew. JD Drew isn't David Price either. Well, I I, th- I think the, the, the way that people talked about J.D. Drew is very similar to the way that people talk about JBJ. It's just that <clears throat> with J.D. Drew, he was a big signing, but didn't deliver offensively the way that people wanted him to. Um, played the game sort of too smooth for people's tastes up here, and then had that big hit, and everybody was like, yeah, it was the best signing of all time. And that, I kind of feel the same way about about jd at this point i mean uh, jbj at this point that like everybody who was critical of his defense or not his defense his offense um and was like how can you put this guy in the lineup just they have nothing to say at this point well they well, were wrong I mean, anyways yeah i think that there's a big difference because jd drew was a singular presence in all of baseball for starting just being sullen and seeming like the guy who played baseball because he was so good at it, but he'd much rather do something else. Um, and JBJ had never really came across. And I think Bradley's pretty much the opposite of that. Right. Exactly. Jackie J Jackie's always been um, likable in theory and then just in practice um, easy in the good times, but he, uh, he just ripped it up. It was awesome. Um, 
you're right. It, it'd be harder to pick someone who you'd be happier for it to happen to. Like maybe Leon, just so he could feel good about himself. <laughs> but I don't think he's going to play very realistic much. options. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty damn good. Um, favorite moment of the series for you guys? No, you can't say Benintendi's catch. That's the obvious one. Okay. A- aside from Benintendi's catch, uh, Brian, what was your favorite moment in the series? Let Matt go first. Uh, I'm probably going to have a different answer if I think about it more, but off the top of my head, um, Bradley's Grand Slam to break oh. that game open. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. If, I mean, it feels like there was that wasn't even like his biggest hit. But there was just something about that. I mean, it's a grand slam, so I think that's probably it. But I that was just like that was the one point in the series where the game was no longer tense. I think that's why I liked it so much. Yeah, like I that think game that was uh, like comfortable. On a similar note, I'm gonna go with uh, Devers's home run in Game Five because I know one made it eight to two and the other one made it four to one. But that four to one when Devers hit that home run, four to nothing. Four to one. It was four to one, I believe. That was just like that's a that's gonna be a, a, a tall order. I think for me, just to go with something different here, one of my favorite moments from the series was game three when Pierce had the home run in the sixth to go up oh my God. three to two. He fucking demolished that. Yeah, that I mean, I have seldom seen balls. I kind of forgot hard. about that. Yeah, and just the the point where the game was at when he did hit it too, it was tied two to two, and it was pivotal game three at that point, and you felt like it could really go either way, um, and I just felt like that was such a Steve Pierce moment, and we talked about him before the series too, and about you know kind of the damage that he's done against big teams, the Yankees and. You know, now the Astros, and uh, it just felt so on brand for Steve Pierce to hit that go-ahead home run. Houston had just tied it the inning before that, right? Or like, yeah, Houston had right just tied that? it. Uh, Bregman yeah. doubled, and Altuve scored on the play at the in the bottom of the fifth, and then in the top of the sixth, Pierce comes up and hits that bomb. Yeah, that was I forgot about that. That was big because I mean I was I was feeling pretty down at that point. I should feel bad about missing this game. But it's actually the exact opposite. There's so much that I'm like, oh, people are going to write and talk about this forever. I'll just learn everything about it. <laughs> well, that was game three. You did... Oh, that was game three. I'm sorry. Yeah. Although game – was it game four? I, I have to pick a Matt Barnes moment. Um, I think it was game four. He came in with two runners on and struck out Tyler White on three pitches. I don't think White swung the bat once. <laughs> uh, that was That was an amazing moment. Yeah, they really held White down this series, which was kind yeah. of shocking to me because he was someone I was afraid of. Well, Altuve had to DH. Right. right. Altuve having to DH kind of screwed with their plans a little bit. I mean, overall, though, this series was classic. I know it's, it's difficult to compare, and I'm going to ask, and maybe you guys will just tell me you don't want to answer, but... Did you enjoy this one more than the Yankee series? The Yankee Yankee series. It's the Yankees. I enjoyed the Yankee series more for that reason, 
this series seemed less plausible. Like this, I just cannot believe that this happened. Yeah. Uh, I kind of felt that same way, Brian, that like it was, it was, I, I agree with Matt that it was more cathartic to beat the Yankees and to, to beat them at Yankee Stadium and do all that because it's the Yankees and I hate them. Um, but I kind of just, even though I picked the Sox in seven, I was very unsure about how the Sox could stack up against this team because, I mean, the memories of last year, you can't help but think about the fact that this team just looked completely overmatched and they were going against an Astros team that was arguably better than the one from last year. So, I mean, they had just steamrolled the Indians too. They Yeah, they destroyed the Indians. So, I mean, and the yeah, Indians I mean, I were think... a team I was afraid of too. So I'm like, you know, it was just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think in a vacuum, like, if you take out some of the context, the series was definitely better. It's just, I mean, the I can't, you can't really beat doing that against the Yankees. Plus, there's a customer in my work that's, like, a, am very friendly with, and he's a huge Yankees fan. <laughs> and so seeing him every day during that series was, it, there's no, like, Astros counterpart to that. There's something real nice about that. That's yeah. for damn you sure. Know, as I live in the New York suburbs, I wear Red Sox hats all the time. I got more looks and calls out of moving cars two days ago wearing a hat on like a half-mile walk than I had gotten in three years of living in the burbs combined. Um, the main one, the main two was this one kid who was riding in the passenger seat of a pickup truck. This is before the Red Sox won last night. He's like, he's like, uh, Los Angeles is gonna win. Okay. And then another guy was walking at the very last second as he passed me in a way that is basically like, I don't want to talk about this further. Very, very at the bottom of his way. He's like, who sucks? Like, okay, thanks, buddy. I, that's great. But everyone was looking right at my hat and then looking at me very. People are uh, – I think Yankees fans are shook. That's what I'm getting. Oh, That's they're definitely I'm... shook. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I like that they're shook. I really like that. I mean, it's like shook. Red Sox fans last year were shook. No. I mean, it's like a Yankees-ass team. <laughs> just beat you in the regular season and beat you in the postseason. Yeah. Like, the Devers home run was very Soriano-esque. This is, I'm dating my this this what team person? is a complete wagon and it's awesome to watch. Yeah, they're just they're just gonna beat you. Uh, let's get to some listener questions because we have a ton of awesome listener questions that set up up uh, set us up real nicely uh, for the series coming forward. So, uh, first couple questions come from Vinny here, and he says, "Can you name one team who's won the World Series with their closer being as unreliable as Kimbrel's been?" I think this is an interesting question. Can you guys think of any team in recent memory that's had a, a, a closer struggle to the degree that Kimbrell has so far? Can Giles get removed as a closer during the playoffs last year? He did. Yeah, I would say last year would be a good would be a good year to start with. Yeah, Ken Giles had his ERAs by series were six, nine, and twenty-seven. Ooh. It doesn't get much worse than that. Yeah. And I mean, but he wasn't the closer the whole time. Right. So, I mean, I don't know how fair that is, but. What about Cody Allen? Cody Allen, I mean, he, I don't know what he did, but he chokes it up a lot. Um, did he 
when Still they in the playoffs two years ago. Um, well, they didn't win the World Series. That's right. They came pretty close. They did, but uh, no, he was uh, he didn't allow a run that entire postseason. He was actually bananas. I don't really get wow. All right. Um, Chapman was stuff. Chapman was good that year, right? Chapman was good. Chapman was filthy, actually. Yeah. Chapman was. What do, th- what do you think about this? Like, there was a report today that Kimbrel found out he was tipping his pitches. And oh, then the, the Gagne so, thing. Like, here's the thing. Your problem can't be not being able to throw strikes, and that you're tipping your pitches. It that... can. I agree with you, but I don't think it's quite that simple. It's not quite that simple, but it is not much more complicated than that. Fundamental. Well, if you're thinking like you're getting hit so hard, and I don't know if he knew he was tipping his pitches or what, but he knew something was going on. And then way. you start overthinking things and you start yanking it. So, I mean, his problem definitely wasn't only tipping pitches, but I mean, I think psychologically that can play into it at least a little bit. He does seem like an overthinker. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, just looking at him. <laughs> I think I'm with Matt on this one. I don't think I there's don't many people thought that. If he was thinker, he wouldn't implode so often. I wish yeah, he... I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I think... I hope he, was, I hope that fi- that he fixed everything. Cause... Last night was beautiful. And he is the type of guy who... I feel like could snap back into it and just be like, oh, wait, I get it. I know how to pitch again. I mean, obviously has a talent for it. I want that man pitching back-to-back days as much as possible. I just think he needs to be worked. I agree, unless he's not pitching. Back-to-back, then off day, then back-to-back, back, then off day, and then back-to-back. Yeah, it's kind of hard in a playoff series, but, you know. Um, Vinny's second question is, uh, well, it's not really a question. Uh, he says he wants Alex Cora's nickname to be the Avatar after Avatar Cora from the Avatar TV show. Do you guys know what the hell this guy's talking about? I know it. I know. I've heard of the show. I don't know like anything about it. Avatar: The Last Airbender. That show. I'm sure that's. I is think that so. With the guy with the elemental signs on his head, and he's like a like bald, and he like does the hand things and. It's an anime thing, right? I think so. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I know people that like anime, and I think that's like the most popular anime show, but I don't know much about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm the last Airbender. That's what I know. If if uh, if the Avatar is a good thing to be, then I am fine with it, because Core is the man. Uh, Red Sox in brief says, uh, "How impressive is it to win the ALCS in five? On breath." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the the French guy over here. Uh, with the 24-man roster, Swihart and Workman were pretty much useless. I want to see Pointer and Wright if he's healthy in the World Series. Uh, good left-handed hitters on the other team, regardless of which one it will be. Um, this opens up a really interesting question because there were a number of people on the uh, Red Sox lineup, or the uh, 25-man roster, I should say, that basically weren't used. Workman, Hembry... Uh, Rodriguez to some degree in Swihart really didn't see almost any important innings at all. And some of like Hembry didn't get in, I don't think. 
Um, did work? I don't think Workman got in, and Swihart didn't get in. Can I just? This did Workman pitch so... game one? Did he? I don't remember. Yes. Am I did. thinking of the Yankees series? Um... He came in one series in a one-run game. And got shelled. Yeah, got. Uh, like, yes, he shellac. did. He Was pitched point one and gave up four earned runs. Real? Yeah. Right? yeah. Yep. So that oh, actually, Hembry pitched that game too. Um, I think he came in after loss. Yep, he did. Yep. What I would like to do here is just posit that Pearl and I am as guilty as anyone in this, obvious. But making such a huge deal out of the catcher in the entire season saying, oh, it'll matter X, Y. Even I said on the eve of playoffs that Swihart should be the starter because there was no way they were going to be getting And I was wrong. I mean, I I don't think it would have been um, catastrophic by any means to have Swihart in there, but I just think that... um, this is work and retrospectively I would like us to um, consider the bigger picture when talking about this stuff uh, in season. And that includes myself. Yeah. I, I think you're right to, to, to some degree, Brian, that like it, it actually was pretty inconsequential when you talk about it because they haven't even needed to look there at this well, point. Well, except for Vasquez's home run. That was pretty big. I guess my thing with Swihart is I don't know why he didn't pinch run at all. Like, if he's on the roster, that's the biggest reason why. They had pinch running opportunities. I thought it was really weird that he never came in. Yeah, Leon pinch ran a couple times. Enough yeah. Enough people able to catch. And I just don't understand it. I wonder um, if he was being held in reserve for if the games had gone into extra innings. Like if that's if he was pretty much just the emergency body at that point. I think he probably was, and I don't really. I mean, obviously, everything worked out. I don't really think that's the best use of a playoff spot. Right. Um, that being said, as we oh, look forward, things can... change in the World Series. Um, they have to go to NL Park, so he's going to be used, assuming he's still on the roster, which I would be shocked if he's not. Um, they're going to be using, they're going to be updating the bench a lot more because pitchers are going to be hitting. So, right. So I think it's weird that he hasn't been used, but he will be used. Would you guys change any of the relievers out? Well, I think Wright's going to be in. Who do you think he'll get the spot for, Workman? Probably. I think that makes the most sense because of what we've seen from Workman has been garbage. Yeah, that would be my guess. And he, I mean, Hembry is down on the totem pole. And, I mean, he's not going to come into a close game unless it's, like, deep in extra innings. But um, Workman never had the trust that work, that Hembry had, at least in the middle of the year. And now Hembry's looking better than him anyway. So I think Workman's kind of the obvious call. I still kind of feel like Brian Johnson could have added some value to this lineup. I think I would have rather had him than Hembry or Workman. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, but with Erod in the bullpen, that's sort of... Yeah, they kind of already had that long 
guy, I guess. Yeah. And they were facing such righty, heavy lineups that you have a guy like Hembry who's pretty – he has pretty uh, extreme platoon splits, so I get it. I wouldn't have really been upset either way. I mean, this is like the last spot in the bullpen, so. <laughs> yeah, in either way, they used the, the top four relievers pretty much almost exclusively. Well, I mean, that's how it goes in the playoffs. Right. You use the arms that you trust, and they only trust those guys, so they're going to get the close games. Next question comes from Jason Bonini, and he asks us, uh, what are all the JBJ and Price haters going to do with their free time now? Um, as, a, as a Price hater all year, uh, I can say that I'm going to direct my worry and frustration towards Kimbrell. There you have it. <laughs> I don't know any JBJ haters personally, though. Do you guys yeah. have any JBJ haters? No, I just don't get the the whole point of sticking by, like, David Price during the year is to show your solidarity with the Red Sox. So when things are good, you're happy, you've been there the whole time. I don't understand the instinct to go to people and be like, Oh yeah, you fucking moron! You <laughs> the price wasn't good. You can't be happy now, right, man? Just be yeah. happy. You my, were my thing with that is not like fans or anything like that, but the media people who just need to find a negative angle for everything. I think I think I'm we should be taking victory laps around them every day. But don't you think it would have been irresponsible for the media not to call out Price with the track record that he had throughout the playoffs? Like, isn't There's, isn't some degree that he earned that, right? It's, I think it's the like level he, to which he got uh, the shit that he got was always uncalled for. Okay. He got stuff that was uncalled for, but at the same time with Price. He gives it out, too. Knows who he's dealing with. He knows how to deal with it if he wants to, um, and he hung in there long enough to do the damn thing now. So if they win it all now, and I'm just going to say it, I think they're going to. Um, I think everything will change. And Do you? Yes. The Shank wrote a love letter to him today. Did you guys yeah. see that? Talk to me next May. <laughs> They'll find a reason. They'll find a reason, but um, like once you're good, you're sort of good. Um, like Irv, even Schilling is not persona non grata. Uh, if they win it all, Price is going to be good. Um, to Red Sox fans, and if they, and if he's not, then they're just, you know, they're dizziness. Next question. This one's 100% for Matt. This one comes from Johnny, and it says, "Can they beat good teams?" Matt, how uh, tired are you of that narrative? Jerry's still out on that one. <laughs> yeah. Still waiting to still waiting to face these good teams. Where are they? 100 wins, 103 win World Series champs. This is. Uh, this is a tough road. Of all the narratives, 
this year, that was the worst one. It, that that narrative From the very made beginning, no it sense. Insane. It was <laughs> the stupidest thing, and so many people ran with it. Like people that were are otherwise like extremely reasonable, yeah, are running with this. It was absurd. Yeah, that was one I just never saw an iota of truth in. It's just they're always you know tomato can teams. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just that one. answer the question guys just answer the question <laughs> i did the jury's still out <laughs> all right next question comes from ward and he says what have the Sox learned in the alds and alcs that will help them the most against the nl champs in the world series uh let's go a little rapid fire here because uh, we're going a little long um brian what do you think that they're the best team in baseball hard to argue with that matt that Alex Cora knows what he's doing. Yeah, don't second guess this guy. I think those are good. Uh, Brian, next question from your from your boy here, Will Wickwist, and he says, in the NL Park, do they just sit JBJ or JD and or have some sort of a rotation? Uh, they have some sort of a rotation, and uh, Will Wally is um on a podcast where the only uh, listener that they actually plan on having is me. So they have a segment called the the segment for Brian Joyner. Um, and uh, Wally told some lies on this week's segment um, about my basketball skills. So I don't appreciate it, but I, this is the Wally segment of this podcast and he earned getting his own segment. Um, but now we're going to move on to another question. <laughs> nice. Uh, Jeff Cohen asks us, are there previous pods from the season available? Anything minor league prospects on minor league prospects? And if so, where can I find it? Uh, you can find all of our episodes uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, any of those places. And we have had on um, prospect guys, uh, Ian Cundell from Sox Prospects. We did record one with him. Um, so check out that episode. And I'm sure in the off season, that's something that we're going to be tackling quite a bit. So. Uh, look for those. The next question comes from Keegan Ernest, and he says, do we drop Swihart for right? Uh, I think we talked about that. We think that Swihart's going to stay on the roster. Right probably drops one of the two pitchers. Yeah, they're not dropping a position player with NL Fires coming up. Yeah. Um, next one comes from Joe Cooprider, and he says, if Stephen Wright is healthy, should he be on the roster, and what should his role be? Um so, are you guys both in agreement that Stephen Wright, if healthy, should be on the roster? Yes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he can go long, and he can give you quality innings. So, I think that that's probably something that should happen. Especially against an NL team that hasn't really seen him. I mean, it's obviously a unique guy. It's a different look part that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, he is the, the lone knuckleballer in baseball, isn't he? Is it? Maybe. I think he is. I think he's the only one at this point. Um, next question comes from Annie Small, and she says, would the Red Sox consider putting Mookie Betts at second base on the road in the World Series to keep J.D., Benny, and J.B.J.'s bats in the lineup? Wow. There's a question about keeping JD, J.B.J.'s bat in the lineup. This I could not have predicted in the first half. I think this question is fascinating. I mean, they know. There, there's no discussion about it. However, Matt is right. It is fascinating. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's a non-zero chance it happens. 
like just... like in the eighth inning or something. No, I, to start. I they've been ultra aggressive this entire postseason. Like we were talking about using starters as starters and relievers on like back to back days or like two days. I mean they're doing unorthodox things. I would put it at like five to ten percent chance, and that might even be a little high. But I mean I don't think it's totally impossible. He's Mookie did play second base. Was that that was this year, right? Yeah, he played second base a little bit. I was at that game. Catcher yeah, situation. <laughs> Gives it gives a in, uh, sort of insight into how Cora thinks about people and how they're assigned positions. And I think that if you look at how he's handled the catcher situation, that would not mesh with the same tactic you would have to sort of be tapping into to put Mookie at second. That would be sort of be the opposite when you have several other people who are better at playing. It's like the Swihart idea. Except for you're putting the AL MVP well, at us. What, what would the cons be of doing it for three games? Well, I mean, obviously, when you put it that way, they should do it. <laughs> Except yeah. for not really, because it, it's really the difference between what Jackie's bat and um, Kinsler's bat, which Kinsler hold, right? Which is what is that? Oh, you're also taking Bradley's defense glove out of the field. Yeah. You're putting Benintendi in center field, and that's a pretty massive downgrade. You, sh- you watch your mouth. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. The more I think about it, the more it sh- I think it should. It's interesting. And I, when I, when I saw Mookie play it's second, he handled we the ball. In a while. I think he could do it. I think they should do it. Uh, our next question comes from Alvaro Sarmiento, and he asks, what changes would you make to the roster? Do you think it's a disadvantage with the Dodgers' depth at hitters, assuming they do face the Dodgers? Um, aside from the right thing, would you guys make any changes to the roster, and are you concerned about the amount of depth that the Dodgers have if they do eventually play them? I'm not concerned. I'm concerned with the Dodgers' depth, and I'm concerned with the Brewers' bullpen. It doesn't mean I think they're going to lose a series, but those are like the, those are the two, each team's biggest focal point. Yeah, certainly the Dodgers' depth at hitter uh, is a huge thing, but both of them have significant weaknesses too. Um, That's why I'm not. What uh, would you guys make any other changes to the roster? No. Okay. Uh, Brandon Gutierrez asks our next question. He says, what do you see the Sox doing when they have to drop the DH, and does J.D. have any experience at first? We haven't heard that one, J.D. playing first. I would put that at a lower chance than Mookie playing second, though. Yeah, me too. I would put that at 0% chance. I don't think he's ever done it. Yeah, and it's not that easy. Tell him, Wash. It's Jackie who's sitting. Yeah, Uh, Bradley's going to sit yeah, I agree. Uh, next question comes from Bo Hines, and he says, rooting interest for Sox fans. Who do the Sox match up best against, L.A. or Milwaukee? Uh, that's an interesting question. We haven't gotten to it here. And the, the uh, you know, the, the series is in game six right now as we speak. Um, who do you guys want to play? Who do you think is the better matchup for these guys? I don't know about matchup, but I want to play the Dodgers. I just think... 
there's a lot of fun storylines though. First Maddie. and foremost, Dave Roberts, Machado. Yeah, um, I I think they're the better team too. And Kimbrel Sale game one, well, not yeah, Kimbrel. Kershaw. Yeah. The names uh, start with A. Um, yeah, I think that um, the Red Sox are going to beat either one. So I don't care. I, I think the Red Sox would beat either team. Um, I would rather them play LA as well. Um, the something about the Brewers pen and the bats that they have are a little bit more worrisome for me um, than than the Dodgers. Uh, I just feel a little bit more comfortable with that matchup. And also, there's not much sweeter than beating LA. And I I actually like a lot of people on the Brewers. So I'd rather have someone I can root against almost as much as I root against the Yankees because for some reason I really I like a lot of people on the Dodgers. Oh, I, see, I, I like the Dodgers a lot. Oh, I despise the Dodgers. I don't like anything about them. See, I think the only player I don't like on their team is Machado. I hate Justin Turner's stupid beard. He is the ugliest man alive. <laughs> well, you do hate – I was going to say something about Kimberl, but you so hate Kimberl too. I hate Kimbrel's disgusting beard too. I'd like to cut both of their beards off and get rid of them. If you have red hair, you shouldn't have a gross beard like that. Um, Matt V asks our next. Or actually, no, we almost skipped one. Uh, Matt Kitson um, says, "Who do you think the next player to attempt to troll to troll Boston will be between the Dodgers and the Brewers?" I'm going with Machado if they face the Dodgers. Machado's going to say something to tweak this team. Puig. That's a good one. Um, I will go with Kike Hernandez. Oh, that is a good one. He's a. I, he doesn't. I don't know if he really trolls that much, but he's very so, so, heavy yeah, on social media. Yeah. That's and he one. has wandered into dangerous territory. If, He's been misunderstood and had to be, like, defended. If they face the Brewers, I'm going with Braun. Travis Shaw. That's a good one. It's personal with him. I think he would be having fun with it, but... Mauricio I think Franklin Dubon. Fun with it too. Hey, hey now. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Matt V. Um, and he, yeah, this is the same one we've gotten about JD sitting... Uh, so we'll skip that one. Um, intrusive thought uh, asks us, did you like the ALCS? And Connor follows up with, how do you feel about the Red Sox winning the ALCS? Uh, any last superlatives for the, that uh, event here? I'm into it. Connor's question was like every question that was asked to uh, Red Sox players during the post-game celebration. It was the exact same question. Uh, so I will... Uh, hypothetically or theoretically uh, pour a beer on your head Connor that's how I feel about it um, Sean C um, says do you see the Billups. same starting rotation Sean C. Billups Sean C. Billups asks us do you see the same starting rotation order in the World Series as in the ALCS um, probably yeah, I was thinking about this today. That's an interesting question. Well, Cora already said that it's going to be sale and price game one and two today on the radio. So uh, the only question is Eovaldi Porcello, but he says he definitely wants Porcello to be three or four because of his bat. 
did he say that? He did say that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll probably be you, Goldie Purcell, just based because, based on the fact they've done that. But if he really thinks that, he should do Purcell as soon as possible to maximize the potential. I don't think he really thinks that. It I might feel be like Porcello, though, five. because Eovaldi more recently pitched. Yeah, that's still, I mean, by the time that, that's what, Friday? Right, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter Game at three. that point. Yeah, I mean, that's a long ways away. I think they're going to do the same thing. is going to be available out of the bullpen in the first two games, and they'll have Evaldi ready for Game 3 to start. Makes sense. Last question from BS Speed. Uh, says, where's all the complaints today? LOL. I think that's a fitting one to end on. Not a whole lot to complain about at this point. I, I, you know, let me say that I don't, even among people who are extremely positive, I don't particularly enjoy this type of troll because I just want you to be happy. Like, I understand. I don't. If you're trying. What do you mean? Yeah, okay. Yeah, but yeah, but I know you, and I know that's the case. Um, I don't understand. Just if you are truly the person who's been positive the whole year, and then at this point right now is when you're going to be like, actually no, fuck you. All I I'm I'm more concerned with the fact that you didn't like the Red Sox than I'm happy they're going to the World Series. Fuck off, man. Come on. I'm not yeah. more concerned, but I spent the entire summer having people yelling at me for stupid things. You are not very the average fan. You are the you run the Red Sox site on SB Nation. Yeah, you, you are do, the curator of insanity. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you at all. <laughs> you I understand. You I understand getting pissed off at uh, Red Sox fans. Although I think okay. it's fair to say Matt's average mood is probably somewhere between pissed off and furious, right? You're giving me – I don't – I run pretty even. <laughs> see, we run across him at 3.30 a.m. in the gym. And <laughs> I'm still pretty even. I'm listening to like cereal or something while I run on a treadmill. Oh, nice. Yes. All right. Yes, Reed, Matt listens to about serial killers. <laughs> At 3.30 in the morning. Totally stable individual. <laughs> um, so let's let's end the podcast with this. Um, who do you guys think is going to win the NLCS series at this point? You have to say the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, literally. There's, yeah. Los yeah. Doyers. Uh, I'm going to say the Brewers pull it out in seven, just to be different. And I like Josh Hader. Are they playing right now? Uh, game started. About to. I think it might be a 909 start tonight. But Ugh, that's garbage. That's yeah. crazy. In Milwaukee too, right? So not even in LA. Uh, actually, no. It's 839. 839 tonight. Yep. Oh, one minute from now. No, actually, my computer's showing 839 right now. Just turned 839 on mine. Yeah. No, I so. still got two computers and looking at 838. So you guys are wrong. All right. Well, if you enjoyed the show, um, go ahead and subscribe to us uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we're going to have one here real quick for you again uh, about the preview of the World Series. So look for that shortly. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt R.Y. Collins. You can follow 
Brian on Twitter at Brian Joiner, Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. You can follow me on Twitter at, at @devjake, and most importantly, you can follow the Over the Monster account at, at Over the Monster. Uh, thanks for joining us here for this playoff edition, and uh, go Sox. Uh-huh.